This is the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the best tactical and statistical analysis of Liverpool FC. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Analyzing Anfield, your tactics and analytics podcast, courtesy of the Blood Red channel. I'm once again joined by the usual man, David Hughes. Mm. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm all right, mate. I'm good. Um, and we're going to talk about you know a fairly fairly interesting week, very different week because obviously the Champions League draw happened, and Liverpool are currently in Qatar contesting the Club World Cup, um, if that's even what it's still called. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to address the match with Monterey, look ahead to Flamengo in the final. Uh, also going to have a little word on on how the Watford match played out as well. Um, so yeah, we'll get we'll get straight into it, but we'll start with just a quick word on the Champions League draw. Um, obviously, we spoke last week about the ideal draw, the worst draw, and for me, it turned out the worst. Yeah, no, it is. It's um, it is the toughest draw. Um, you know, we that, and I know you've said it this week, and some people have been pointing out how difficult it is for Atletico Madrid, you know, facing Liverpool. That's that goes out saying. Yeah, that's it? that's absolutely true, but it's not even worth yeah. pointing out. Is it? I mean, yeah, exactly. But it's still worth acknowledging that it isn't a great draw for 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 Liverpool. I think Atletico Madrid is such a well-drilled, organised side that they're going to be extremely difficult to break down. Yeah, I mean, I, I tweeted about that at the time, and I I just tweeted that the. It's a terrible draw for Liverpool, and the tweet got forty six replies, which is never a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it wasn't packed full of people disagreeing necessarily, but it was more a case of a lot of people saying it's a terrible draw for Atletico as well, which is true. Mm. But I didn't feel as though I had to say that. Yeah. Um, but I think people were inclined at the same time to play down Atletico. So just without going too in depth, because we'll obviously do it once the tie comes around. These are my my generic thoughts on Atletico and why I think it's a problematic draw. And I say, I say terrible as well, relatively speaking. That's based on who we could have drawn. Mm. It was terrible in terms of we just got the worst team. Yeah. That, that was why it they was terrible. They got the toughest draw of yeah. who was available, yeah? Yeah. So they currently have the best defence in Spain and the best defence in the Champions League. And that's not just based on goals conceded, that's based on XG as well. So performance beneath the surface. In the Champions League, they obviously had a, a group with Juve at, by Leverkusen within there as well. And they were only expected to concede about 3.5 goals across mm. all six matches in total, which is, you know, clearly a very, very good defence, yeah. even beyond what we're used to, where it had to go Madrid. Um, they are suffering in the, in the league at the minute, but that's because of too many draws. They've drawn eight times, I think. Or they certainly had when I checked. Now, eight, my perception on that is a draw in the Champions League in a knockout stage isn't as bad. You know what I mean? You, you, you no, take a draw at Anfield, for example. It's contextual, isn't it? You yeah. Know, draws are, are sometimes really good re- results. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't look too much into that. Um, yeah. Um, they have struggled for goals, hence the draws. Mm. But their attacking game doesn't seem particularly bad. It's just a case of they haven't really got... They're not really finishing the chances. They're not really taking the chances. Obviously, Antoine Griezmann took those chances last season and, and things like that. This season, they've had, they've had a bit of an overhaul. Mm. Marata's leading the line for them mostly, I think, and he's scored about six goals, but he's, he's the top scorer. Mm. And behind that, the closest is on about two, I think. So, they're suffering in terms of finishing. But as an overall team, still very, very well drilled. Still exactly in, a, in the Atletico Madrid mould. Mm. Um and another thing as well, I think Liverpool, I've mentioned this on the pod plenty of times, I think Liverpool are able to shock European teams when it comes to their intensity and the tempo of the game and things mm. like that. Yeah, I think Atletico Madrid already used to that intensity day to day. They're obviously very intense side under Simeone, so I don't think there'll be a shock there in that, in that regard. Yeah, I think the Anfield shock, stadium shock, will be a bit less felt mm. just because, again... As has come Madrid, to just do you know what I mean? They're capable in that regard. Yeah, they they're not really yeah. going to be surprised by a hostile environment in, in the way some teams will be. I think sometimes as well, right? When you play against elite European sides, there's this expectance that they have to play in a certain way, and they need to impose themselves on whoever they play. 
whether that be yeah. someone as great as Liverpool or a lesser side. Atletico Madrid don't carry that baggage, do they? They're just very much their style of play is how it is. Yeah, and they're not going to go. They're not going to try and prove a point of trying to attack Liverpool. Like say, I don't know. Say if Liverpool got Real Madrid, I think Liverpool would have turned them over, and all the points that you've just raised then. I think would have been prominent with Real Madrid, for example, but yeah. Atletico Madrid, I think it's a, a different ball game. Yeah, so do I. I mean, this this season, they've faced, for example, Barcelona, Real Madrid, Juventus twice, Leverkusen twice, Sevilla, Valencia, and they yet to lose any of those matches by a margin of more than one goal. And that's huge because they're, they're the big fixtures, you know, over the, over the course of a season, things can, teams can maybe get the results against lesser sides but then not do well against big teams but yeah but that I says think, that they're accustomed to these big fixtures yeah but I think I think the fact it's a knockout tie mm. and, and they haven't lost any of those matches that I've just said by more than one goal it's just I've got the perception on this that it's going to be firmly a 180 minutes knockout tie mm. Liverpool aren't going to turn these over in half an hour mm. we're not going to win it in the first leg mm. And it, it could get fully get to a case of we get an hour into the second leg and there's it's literally finally balanced whereby one set piece goal wins it. Anything can happen in that regard. And I, I don't like that thought. I don't like the thought of it getting to the final 20 minutes of the second leg and Atletico can knock us out with like one counter attack or, or, yeah. or one, one set piece. And I think they're, they're one of the few sides in Europe that are capable of just literally shutting up shop for a long, long period. And not um, panicking either. You know, Liverpool are obviously fantastic at chasing chasing victories, aren't they, if, if the results isn't going away. Um, and you can see the panic a lot of the time, I think, in, in opponents' sides. But I uh, I don't think you'll see that with Atletico Madrid. I wouldn't like to be chasing the game with 20 minutes to go. No, that, no that's what I mean. It's, it, it is going to be tricky. It's going to be very... Risk versus reward, more so than usual, I think. Well, it'll be no, it'll be bit, it'll be huge. Um, we talked about it recently. Um, I can't remember which game it was for. Taking your chances when they come, being clean. Yeah, well, that is one thing Liverpool are very good at. Yeah, uh, specifically in the Champions League, but it's it's just one of those ties that could very easily be on a knife edge, knife edge for 170 out of the 180 minutes. So, yeah. it's just a tie that is is tricky. Um, Trickier than most have felt for Liverpool in, in most matches. You, you just feel as though Liverpool are going to turn a team over on the on the break or whatever, and you, you then breaks that might not even happen against Atletico Madrid, mm. considering how they play. But as I said, we're not going to touch on this for too long. It's just you know, as I said, relatively speaking, considering the other teams in the draw. I do think it's a bad draw for Liverpool. I think it's yeah, it's one of the very, very few teams in the tournament for me that can, obviously, won't always at all, but say, for example, 10 times, I've had to go off the capability to knock Liverpool out maybe two or three out of 10, if, if you see what I mean. Mm. Um, but nevertheless, I'd still I'd still value Liverpool's favourites. From Atletico Madrid's perspective, obviously, it's a nightmare draw as well. Mm. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how teams look Closer to the actual date. Yeah, it'll be a it'll be a test for this new, well-adjusted Liverpool side that are more prominent in different departments now. I think is maybe a good yeah, good super adaptable. So, yeah, yeah, you know, not just reliant on one one system. It'll be a it'll be a it, listen. It'll be a good game either way. Be a good tie. Um, in fact, you know what? The Champions League draw this year was really interesting. Some it really was yeah good games yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll wait and see. Yeah, we will. Um, so we'll move on anyway to to the match that we previewed in the last episode, Watford at home. Um, we match. Mm-hmm. I thought it was strange. I thought it was an off day for Liverpool, actually. Yeah. Um, and yeah. dare I say, I think you could only say this now with hindsight. I think that was a huge win for Liverpool, actually, because I think over the course of a season, they're going to have maybe four or five games where they're just not at, at it. Um and to still win that game 2-0, it was a big win. Yeah, it was. I think, it, for me, it was very much a match where one team was kind of on the plane and focusing on something that something big that's upcoming. Mm. Whereas, 
the other team obviously are, are benefiting from a managerial bounce. Mm. So you mix those two together, yeah. you get the match that happened. I, I thought, and he did, and he did play fairly well. I thought, you know, the um, Watford. Yeah, yeah. I thought he did quite well. Uh, obviously, did. they made a couple of mistakes, one of which probably leads to the first goal. But yeah, I thought, um, I thought the manager got them fairly well organised, and they they look threatening. Yeah, I mean. On the day, the XG, there wasn't that much to separate the, the expected goals at all. I think the expected goals suggested that it should have been maybe a 1-1 one, one or a 2-1. Mm. But there was, there was, that's, that's obviously not considering the shots that didn't happen. And I think there were several moments for both teams whereby a really dangerous attack had, had happened. But once it got to the business end... A player had failed to shoot, or he'd missed the time, or, 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 or he'd missed the ball, or you know something had happened. So big, it was a weird game. Yeah, we need a metric, don't we? Really, so that can include them. I think. Because well, I mean, you can you can look at you know non-shot expected goals and things like that, but it just takes it into a new level. Yeah, it just goes too complicated. I think it gets too noisy, doesn't it? When yeah, you do yeah. that. Um, Especially considering yeah. you know obviously mainstream football analysis that we're trying to do Monday night football style. I suppose mm. we don't want to go too granular to no, the extent that it's just getting too mathematical and things yeah, like that. Put people off. I mean, we're not that way inclined anyway, are we, I suppose? But, um, you no. know, was there, was there a chance like that for me, you know? I can't remember where he, um, he runs in on goal, I'm sure he does, and he just takes it such too much. Uh, yeah, I think he was. Yeah, yeah and the keeper. It sounds great. You know what? Watch three Liverpool games in about five days. It's hard <laughs> trying to distinguish what happened in which. Um, yeah. Such as the madness that the... the calendar is for Liverpool at the moment but yeah um, I do wonder yeah, if the XG could would have been it, it, some of them would have led to shots where it would have been a little bit more favourable yeah I mean I said last week I think it was that our expected goals provider has improved <laughs> but this week that provider currently is down so I can't actually access what the exact expected goals numbers was for our new provider um, maybe that's one for another time or something but I mean, we've got a version of them still, though. Yeah, we have different versions of expected goals, obviously, but the one that we've we've been using for the past few episodes has been a more accurate provider, let's say. Um, But certain other ones had Liverpool at around maybe 1.5 expected goals Mm. compared to Watford at around 1.1, I think, so quite an even game, really. Yeah, I'm looking at one now, 1.33 Liverpool, 0.96 Watford, so yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we we actually got the match spot on in terms of the preview because mm. we said we said Watford are a team that can attack, mm. but they just cannot for the life of them finish the dinner. Yeah, finish the dinner. <laughs> yeah, what a team. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was strange. You know, they, they they did work some really good chances. I thought, um, who's, who's the who's the guy who missed the the, the worst of all? Um, Sa. So, yeah, yeah, that was just. I mean, that was not even to get shot on 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 goal was poor, and then Delafeu as well missed a big chance as well when he went through in on on goal in the second half. Yeah, in fact, he was another. He was an early one as well. This will also come into the whole, you know, non-shot expected goals mm. when where no shots actually happened. But yeah. there was a chance early on. Saar puts a cross into Dini, and Dini misses the ball completely. Yeah, but if he touches it, it's a goal. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Just just quickly. And obviously we uh, we like to talk about Liverpool, but just on on Watford, um, what did you think of them starting Deeney? So from uh, from watching the game and just um, watching them live and just watching his movements and stuff, I thought he looked really really unfit. I know he hasn't played a lot, but yeah, just... I mean, I must be honest, I wasn't focusing that much on him, so I, I I didn't pick up on a great deal. But I know he has had a quiet season. Yeah. I'm not sure if he's just come back from injury or or what, but. I felt like he made Liverpool's defending a little bit easier. You know, I think if you if they would have maybe started with um oh what's his name comes off the bench. I mean management blank. But if they would have started with someone else, I think I think it could have been a little bit little bit tougher for Liverpool. Um yeah, unrelated subject anyway, but I just thought <laughs> it was a strange thing to bring him in and he didn't really do a lot in the game. Yeah, I mean, just on Wofford's on Wofford's numbers, we, we said last week that they're obviously underperforming considerably mm. on the attacking side. Yeah. I think they should have scored 19 and they'd actually scored nine. Um, <laughs> and they were bottom of the league 
for percentage of shots on target as well. The only team that had his fewest shots on target in total was Crystal Palace. So, and that, that's exactly what how they showed up. Yeah. I mean, they, they showed up as exactly that. They demonstrated that almost perfectly in the game. Yeah, a team that can create but just cannot finish. Mm. And it, it went down that route. And I think it, plenty of other teams that just converted at a normal rate. It, it could have been easily a draw on yeah. the day. Yeah. I'd, I'd go as far as saying potentially if it was Affickledge Road, it might have even been that. An upset. But I think m- maybe not a defeat, but I just think the fact it was at home, I just think we just found a way to kind of grind through it. Sort of thing. Uh, I thought Liverpool scored at a really good time as well, to be fair. I just yeah. thought, you know... It, I mean, um, and was, uh, we, we, we scored that goal as well just because we have top attackers, yeah. basically. That's a goal that Watford couldn't really have scored. Mm. Yeah. Just because Firmino's knock on, Mane's run, Mane's pass, and obviously Salah's finish, which we're going to get to next. Mm. Um, but yeah, on, on Salah, seems a little bit restored lately. Yeah, he's, for me. He's, he's had a lot of... He's had a... And this is all relative, but he's had a lot of relative stick, hasn't he? Um, yeah, I mean, we we have mentioned on this pod yeah. certain theories regarding it. My theory was that he doesn't execute his game to the same level when he's got a knock, when he's carrying a knock. Mm. He's the type of player, I think, unlike Sadio Mane, I think he needs to be basically 100% fit sort of thing, mm. whereas I think Mane can play through it. I don't know. That's yeah. a complete guess, I suppose, but... Salah just seems to take a hit, take a hit when he's uh, carrying something. Yeah, yeah. I, I also think as well. Don't forget, it, we've 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 talked about him being. You say data player, you know, and output merchants and stuff. That's what he is. He takes a lot of shots, doesn't he? I mean, he's took the second most in the Premier League this season, behind only Rashford. So, you know, not every one of those shots are going to lead to the goals. And I think that's what frustrates people a little bit. But that's how he gets such a high goal return. Is, is you know, his goal record speaks for itself. Yeah. So he's uh, you kind of have to accept that you you need to have one with the other. Like he's gonna take a lot of shots, but in return you get moments of magic really. You know, that first goal was an unbelievable finish and so was the second one. That's what he does. It's yeah, he takes plenty of shots. It can be frustrating, but just look at the reward that you get for it. Yeah. I mean he took he took five shots against Wofford. Mm. I'm assuming that was the most on the day. Uh, we obviously said before on that Watford are one of his favourite opponents and he went and scored two on the day. Um, and I'm not sure what you said Liverpool's XG was against Watford just then. Yeah, it was um, It was about 1.3. About uh, 1.3? 1.33. Well, 1.01 of that XG was shots from Mo Salah. There you go. So he was obviously a really dangerous player on the day. Yeah. Which he's renowned for that's why he's such a data player if you like because he, he shows up as a just a, an ultimate threat just a dangerous player who's mm. difficult to stop and he looked back to that against Watford I thought um, but yeah a win and Leicester surprisingly drew yeah boost uh, against Norwich as well yeah um, we said the uh, I feel like we got a little bit of a little bit did you feel like we got a little bit of stick for <laughs> kind of just being dismissive of Leicester last week Oh no, I thought you meant a little bit of stick for uh, saying the league was sewn up. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah sorry, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, got a, it's mm, obviously not. No. We need to state that it's obviously yeah, not. Of but, course. You know, speaking with a degree of logic, I suppose, it's it's exactly it's gonna be yeah. difficult in it. How I, I thought how we cleared up last week was a good way of putting it. Forget it's Liverpool for the moment, and I imagine it was the Bundesliga or La Liga or something. The lead Liverpool have and the form they're in. You just you you would not expect them to somehow throw this away, and I stand by that. And now they've got an, a further advantage after last weekend. So, yeah, another boost. And it's uh, it. What I really like from a Liverpool perspective is it just takes the pressure off these next few weeks, doesn't it? You know, if you do slip up and maybe have a draw again on Boxing Day at Leicester, or um, you know, you do drop a couple of points, you've got such a a safety net that. It, you don't need to hit panic stations straight away. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. I haven't done the maths at the minute, but I, I'm not sure what the worst possible scenario would be the next time we play, because obviously teams have a game in hand. But mm. 
Liverpool have a, a beyond 10-point lead, I think, up until the, yeah. the second-place team sort of thing. And it's just it's crazy that this such a lead has been amassed already. Um, but obviously, you know, props to how Liverpool have performed for the, for the whole campaign so far and how we're just managing to... Win, 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 win. <laughs> yeah, yeah, relentlessly. Yeah, no, it's great. Uh, and we, we did the same against Monterey. Yeah. Uh, but again, for me, another weird match. Yeah, it was. Um, but I, I wasn't actually surprised. I feel like these... You wasn't surprised it was weird? Yeah, I wasn't surprised it was weird. I just, I uh, I watched the semi-final the day before with Flamengo, which I'll probably talk a little bit more about when we come on to them. But I just remember thinking, this is not what we're used to seeing here. I don't know if it's just because it's from a different part of the world. It just it just felt like it was going to be a bit of a surprise for Liverpool. And yeah, just the way they played, it was, I think it was hard for Liverpool to just settle into a rhythm of the game. Mm. I think for me, it, it felt a bit like a friendly abroad. It felt a bit like almost a World Cup game. Um, I've just spoken about that with, with Christian before. Mm. He said it was like a, a World Cup game whereby, say for example, a favourite in France face an Australia yeah. who are going to sit on the laurels for, for the major, majority of the match and play yeah. quite direct. It was like that. Um, obviously, I think the ground plays into it. I was about to say that. Do you, like you're talking about the friendly atmosphere. That's what it feels like, though, doesn't it, really, over there? Yeah. Like obviously, I know Liverpool want to win the competition, and I get it, but... It just felt really quiet. Yeah, the environment, is it's quite hard, I think, to recreate that intensity that they used to with the Premier League and Champions League every week. Yeah, it felt quiet. The only noise that seems to happen only occurred when, whenever Salah touched the ball, because mm. obviously he's you know, obviously a bit of a star. Um, just a bit. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that... That lack of um, atmosphere resulted in a bit of a lack of intensity mm. for me on the pitch. Plus, I, I did notice that in, in terms of PPDA, they, they finished the game thirty six point five, which I, I didn't. I only went back to the start of this season. Liverpool have not faced such a lax press like that in. Well, as I said, no one this season. Mm. But I imagine last season would be the same as well. So, you know, it was it, it did create a bit of a. Deep block. <laughs> yeah, deep block, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was. A, I suppose it's just a little bit of a difficult thing for Liverpool to adjust to in new environments. And, yeah, just a bit of a messy game. It was It was a good thing that they managed to get that goal and didn't go to extra time or anything. Yeah, I mean, you say there about the whole deep block thing. I think Monterey's game plan on the day was really, really basic, really. Mm. Um, but it seemed to deliver more results than usual I thought because of a lack of Van Dyke and because of a lack of Matip mm. and Lovren as well I suppose mm. those three are really airily dominant yeah. um, and I thought Monterey played quite direct whenever they secured the ball for a, a sequence of about three passes the fourth one would usually be a ball over the top mm. a diagonal ball over the top in the direction of uh, Pabon yeah. who was a dangerous player on the day um, and without Without Van Dyke and Matsup aerially and things like that, they they seem to come off. And I don't think Henderson played particularly badly, but you could tell it wasn't his, it wasn't his, uh, you know, natural role. Plus, it's it's difficult. As they probably agreed beforehand, but I, I'll be honest, I didn't notice. But it's probably difficult to know who's commanding the line and stuff. You know, you know, with Liverpool's traditional defence, it's Van Dyke and everyone's on Van Dyke, following Van Dyke's instructions. But when it's a makeshift defence, it's hard to really have that same understanding, isn't it? It's a little bit more disjointed. Yeah, it, it felt a bit weird for the team to get so much joy down Liverpool's left because mm. so many teams tend to attack down Liverpool's right. This was this obviously went against that and whether it was a premeditated plan or not, it certainly worked considering, especially considering Van Dyke wasn't playing. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think that I think that's that's the perks of having centre backs when you're playing a proactive system, dominant system. You have to have centre backs that are dominant in the air mm. because so often the opposing team's way of getting out of that pressure is just to hit long. Direct, and if, yeah. if if you've got centre backs that aren't going to command those duels, 
you're going to concede more counter attacks than than you want, basically. Mm. And I think, I think that that kind of happened. Yeah. Um, on the day, the expected goals. Again, this is not legitimate provider because <laughs> of stupid websites. Uh, but we had about two point one five expected goals compared to Monterey's one point three five. But I will say that right up until Firmino was tapping, that was pretty even. Mm. Wasn't a lot of separation in that, so it was probably probably a fair one one, I'd say. Yeah, it's important if, to note, isn't it? If if not, I mean they had a few clear cut chances. Yeah. yeah. Allison made a few big saves. Said these these games are hard, they're hard to juggle, they're hard to adjust, they're hard to plan for because you know you can't have your finger on the pulse in every league in it in every country in the world, you know. You, yeah, okay, you've got fantastic opposition scouts, but it's it's still hard to kind of know what to expect until you just get out there on the pitch. Uh, yeah, it is. It's so you know, as I said, fair play to Liverpool for getting that getting the win. Well, all right, to come late on, but it was a it was a good win with all things considered, especially when we we point out just how even the game was. Yeah, I should say as well the amount of changes Liverpool made. Obviously, Milner was right back, Henderson was a centre back, Lana was a number six. Ox and Chamberlain both played. Erigi uh, was up front, Shakiri was up front. Salah was the only really regular attacker on the pitch mm-hmm. that we that we see week in, week out. So it was obviously a really disjointed team. Um but I think it played out a little bit like that and you know, thank thankfully we got the win. But I think we dominated the ball. Um but we got, we offered little with the ball. I think they were much more um, efficient with the way in which they use possession mm. they just got it and attacked basically we yeah. got it and seemed to just play nice football and didn't really all Liverpool like yeah didn't really create anything of note yeah. we actually got outshot on the day which I, I always hate to say I, I hate that <laughs> I don't know never a good sign yeah uh, we Monterey had 14 shots Liverpool had 11 mm. um, and, and 8 of Monterey's were on target yeah, you know, they did test Allison a few times. You know, sometimes routine saves, but still good saves. Um, I was surprised. I thought, um, I think he goes by the same name, Funes Mori. He was, I he thought was, he played well. He did, yeah, he yeah. played good. He's busy, isn't he? Yeah, he's an absolute double of a yeah. brother. Jesus. Yeah, it's, it's, it's bizarre, isn't it? It's crazy, yeah. Um, but uh, he holds the ball up well, yeah. uses the ball well. He's a good target, man, good. It links up well. Yeah, I was impressed by him actually. Yeah, he's played in Europe before for Benfica, but oh, that, that. Was, that was it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure why it didn't work for you know whatever reason, but um, yeah, it was a, it was an interesting game. Liverpool obviously got through it. Not the best performance, similar to Watford, I suppose. Mm. Hopefully, it's not a sign moving forward. I think it's. I'm more inclined to think it's. I don't know. I don't think it's anybody about you. No, 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 like that's that. all. No. Also. Can we just not give a nod to the uh, the assist? Off t- yeah, right that's certainly there. worth a mention. Yeah, I don't think many right backs would pick that one up. No, just it's just it's it's the it's the levels that he's doing now where he's now fooling defenses with with balls. Like he shapes up to it that as a cross, doesn't he? You know, yeah. everybody thinks it. I I was I thought it, and then that ball and the run by for me, it was just a it was just a really good goal, just a stunning goal. Yeah, it was. It, I don't know how he spotted it to be honest. I yeah. don't know if he just if he anticipated Firmino making that move, or if he just played it into a space, hoping a player would get on the end of it. Do you think they practice it? I don't know because I I see what you're saying there. Because when you look at it, it doesn't look like he's got a clear line of vision to see that. It seems like this players in the way, so yeah. to just know to try that. Yeah, no, I'm not sure, but he's he's as I've said before. I think he's the closest thing Klopp has had at Liverpool to a playmaker. Mm. He just takes so many risks on the ball, tries so many things, so creative despite being a right-back, interpreting that role differently to what I've seen. Yeah, no, I don't you, think this has ever happened, does it? No, well, the, the attacking full-backs that you think of are usually attacking in a different way. It's usually like dribbling or the Direct fast. running and stuff, yeah. The only player I can think of, really, <laughs> to be honest, who's played like this at, at right-back is Tribia. Mm. Um yeah. maybe Leighton Baines from left back. Mm. Um but not to this level, I don't think no. this the, technical ability and 
I think the it sends more of an all-rounder, I think, maybe. Yeah. I also think he's just got a wider um, and larger kind of passing network, you know what I mean? The way he can ping from side to side. And yeah, he's two-footed as well. Yeah. Really two-footed. Which, which is just phenomenal, really. Yeah, he's certainly future world-class player. If not, I mean, he's not far off that he's now. He's there now, isn't he? Yeah, he's so. not far off. Yeah. Analyzing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel. But we'll move on anyway to the final. Mm. And this is an interesting one, this because usually week to week we would have to maybe tackle a a preconceived notion about the team, whether Crystal Palace are actually good, whether <laughs> <You> said that <laughs> whether Leicester are actually attacking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, things like that. But this is literally, I'm assuming at least for most listeners, a complete blank canvas. Yeah. So We've had to do the full research on the team as though we've never seen them play. Mm. Um, and hopefully we're going to paint a bit of a picture as to what they're like as a team. Uh, but first of all, I personally didn't catch the semi-final from start to finish. You obviously caught some of it at least. Yeah, yeah, what General thoughts on, on how they, how they looked? Chaotic. <laughs> Genuinely, uh, this is where I was like, wow, this is going to be a bit of a... I think I actually tweeted out, I was like, this is going to be... A bit wild for Liverpool if they if they play if they play these if they were you know just it, it felt like a basketball game where it just it was a lot very end to end wasn't much football going on in the middle of the pitch um, it was almost like caution to the wind stuff just plenty of attackers and then relying on defenders when they didn't have the ball and um, yeah it was it was crazy to be honest it was an interesting game definitely enjoyable um, obviously they, they went behind as well. Um, I don't think they started quite well actually I think they started yeah. from, from the shots I've seen I've, I've watched the shots back and things like that it looked like Al Halal I think they, they're called um, yeah, they are, yeah. it looked like they were certainly on top in the early stages well I I, I come out about 15 minutes and I was only going off commentary and they were saying that they, they, they'd been second best side so far but um, yeah they did grow into it and you know <clears throat> if you have a look the, um, they scored three goals off an XG of 0.53, so they're quite clinical, you know. Um, yeah. Obviously, the the very attack-minded. Um, <coughs> so I think it's going to be a a very in-your-face kind of aggressive performance against against Liverpool. I'd be surprised if they sit if they sit back as much as um, as much as Monterey did. No, I can't. I can't see that personally mm. at all. Um, that uh, Tim Vickery who. South American football correspondent, I think, for the BBC, yeah. spoke at half time of Liverpool's game yesterday. And he said that this could be um, one of the very few really entertaining Club World Cup finals that there's been. He mm. said, because most in the past have followed the theme of maybe a dominant European team mm. and a team that is inclined to accept that they're not as good mm. and they're just going to sit there. Yeah, But this, this may be a match that. Both teams do kind of go for it. Um, I did just quickly before go you go. I was going to say I did notice in the game as well. Obviously, there was parallels between Liverpool's game and theirs because obviously they're a massive club as well in South America and uh, the, the favourites to win the game. But just to reiterate how kind of direct they are, whereas Liverpool were obviously a bit more well trying to be a bit more controlled in their game, weren't they? Um, Liverpool were averaging around just short of seven passes per um, possession sequence, whereas they were 4.8 per sequence. So it basically illustrates that, you know, they, they don't tend to want to pass the ball around and control the play. It just seems to be very, very direct and want to get it up to the attackers and score goals. Yeah. So it'll uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do against, against Liverpool. Yeah, but, I mean, you say that, though, they still have a European take on Brazilian football. Um, in terms of formation, they are mostly 4-2-3-1 mm. from what I've seen. Um, that was used in the semi-final against Al-Halal and it's been their most prominent formation throughout the season uh, in Brazil. Um, they've obviously got a European coach, former Benfica manager, I think, in, in George Jesus Linked to the Premier League recently. Linked to Everton, I believe. Mm. Um, how did you feel about that one? <laughs> did you look into him at all? Or? Um, I kind of knew him from his Portuguese um, Portuguese stint, but 
I was led to believe he didn't speak the language. Um, of English? It. Yeah. I'm not sure on that yeah. one. Um, yeah, so that was a, a media kind of put off. But yeah, I don't. I, I didn't know, I'll be honest, I didn't know enough about him to form a, a, a fair opinion. Um, yeah, well, I mean, he he's went over there to Brazil and I think I'm right in saying it's, it's quite uncommon for a European coach to coach in a Brazilian league, you know. There's normally no requirements, is there? No, mm. um, but you know, the general approach is quite high pressing, you know, high defensive line, and that's not particularly common in Brazil, as far as I'm aware. Um, having said that, it works over there because it's quite new and it's quite imposing and things mm. like that. But if you've got, obviously, we'll be more accustomed to it, first of all, and we have Southern Manic, mm. who are obviously very quick. The, the absolutely terrorised high defensive lines so if he's going to stick with that that approach to face Liverpool I'm inclined to think it won't f- it won't bode as well for them as it does week to week in Brazil mm. see what I'm coming from yeah no yeah just I must say um, in the game I wasn't blown away by their defensive capabilities at all there was there was a couple times I don't know if the data will back it up we'll have now but there was a couple times just watching the game I was like this defence is all over the place. You know, it's yeah. spaces in, inside the penalty area, you know, not not really structured well, not good space in between themselves. And I remember thinking someone like Liverpool would obliterate that, you know, would yeah. take advantage there. Well, I, I mean, I've, I might as well start with the defence then. I'm just going to start with the attack. But, you know, thankfully we have the full, full data set for the Brazilian league. Um, the Brazilian season begins in April and it ends in December. So th- their season's literally just finished as far as I'm aware. Um, they won the league, they finished top of the league. So this is kind of, I suppose, their Champions League final mm. because we, obviously we, we finish our season and then play the Champions League. Yeah, They finish their season and then fin- play the Club yeah. World Cup. So they finished top of the league and we've got, so we've got a full season to go on that's just finished. Um the average, the most possession. Sorry, we won't go down that route. Yeah, we'll go down the defensive route, yeah. as you just said there. Just so, before you start on that, the uh, they got outshot. Faced 12 shots, five on target. Um, and they lost the XG as well in that game. Yeah. I mean, they're the highest presses in Brazil, according to PBDA. Um, 7.8 passes per defensive action. If that was translated into the Premier League, they'd currently be the highest presses in the Premier League. Um, it's not like absolutely mental levels, like, I don't know, Leeds. Ibar or Leeds or something, yeah, yeah maybe, but it's it, it's the highest. I think Leicester at the top of the Premier League at the minute for high pressing regarding eight passes per defensive action or 8.2 or something like that. So Flamengo, 7.8 passes per defensive action. Um, and that's led to the third fewest shots being faced. So they face about nine shots per match. Um, having said that, I don't think on the whole they're actually that good defensively. Mm. Um, he was sixth in the division for expected goals against and sixth in the division for goals conceded as well. So mm. they basically won the league. I, I mean, once we go further into their numbers, specifically at Sachen, they are definitely the best team in Brazil. Yeah, but I think they won the league mainly on their possession game and their okay. attacking their attacking game. So I think what you're saying there about the defence being quite open and problematic, I do think we'll see that. Mm. The data seems to back it up. Yeah, yeah. it's um, yeah. It, it, as I said, it just it did just look so disjointed to, to what we are normally used to watching week in week out, um, and probably what Liverpool are used to facing as well. I think they'll be surprised at how how easy the could create chances in that, in this game. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, a bit more on, on Flamengo's possession game, what they're like actually in possession with the ball and things like that. They averaged 58% in, in the Brazilian league last season, or the season that's just literally just finished, which was the most in the division. Uh, the most goals scored, which 22 goals more than the team that finished with the second most goals scored. It's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they took the most shots, uh, 13.2 per match. The best shots on target percentage 
and more headed shots than any other team. Uh, the best XG per shot by some distance in terms of like, you know, how clear cut on average your chances are. Flamingos were comfortably the most easy, the easiest to score on average, if you like. Uh, the most crosses <laughs> per match, you can see the theme here. Yeah. <laughs> the most crosses per match with about 17 compared to Liverpool. Liverpool, Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> compared to Liverpool, for example, who tend to post about 20. But it's worth saying that Liverpool demand a bit more of the ball in the Premier League. So, however much you perceive Liverpool to cross, Flamengo cross about that much. That's, I think that's probably an accurate way yeah. of saying it. Uh, they're also the best in Brazil at getting the ball into the penalty area. So, 21 penalty box involvements per match compared to the second best in Brazil with 17. Um, Liverpool, currently in the Premier League, are posting about 23 box involvements per 90. Um, so the fl- the 21 that Flamengo are posting is about Leicester's level, mm. uh, which, you know, very strong, very good. Yeah, I'm just checking now. They, they won the title by 16 points. Yeah, I mean... They, Liverpool on, levels. <laughs> yeah, honestly, what, the, what they're doing in Brazil is, as, as I said, the whole high-line thing, high-pressing, yeah. it's... It, it doesn't really happen over there. Mm. The, it, it, Brazil's kind of like, they, they embrace the individual aspects of the game, I suppose. Yeah. If you're just a super technical Ronaldinho type player, go and do your thing and yeah. win the game rather than instilling like a system as they do in Europe now. Yeah. And I think Flamengo really, it's really worked for them over there. I don't think teams are inclined to press them so they can just play out. Mm. But if they are pressed, I think problems materialise, which Liverpool will obviously present to them. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that back line kind of plays out when, when in possession, as you said, when faced one of the best. For me, anyway, I think Liverpool arguably the best press side in Europe. So it'll yeah. be interesting to see how they cope with that. Yeah, uh, well, what, one of the notes I've got down there is that they don't tend to hit long at all. Mm. The um, They obviously posted the most possession in the league in Brazil. But I think they hit the third fewest most the f- sorry the third fewest long passes um, in the division so obviously they're seeing plenty of the ball but very few of those passes are going long um, whether that changes against Liverpool whether they become a, a bit more realistic or, or so I'm not I'm not too sure on that mm. remains to be I suppose seen suppose if you're not getting pressed hard then there's no point really there's no need to hit it long is there so yeah, it's that might be a factor it's probably worth checking the numbers against Al-Halal actually because I think they did press quite highly. So if, if that forced Flamengo to start hitting long, or whether they still decided to play out and it suffered, it resulted in mistakes materialising. Yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, um, that's how... And another note as well on their numbers. The PPDA, sorry, for Al Halal was 11.48, so fairly medial. Um, but yet yeah, they did, the pass, pass length was a little bit a little bit longer than it had been in previous games. Um, it's like 19.48, whereas the game before it was 17.19, 17.36 before that. So there was a, a bit of an increase in terms of averages of um, yeah. past length. Yeah. Um, and, you know, one final note on on how the attack, I suppose, they were the second best during the season for goals from corners. Uh, they scored nine from corner kicks, which was bettered by only one team, I think, with 10. Mm-hmm. So... They do look as though they are, you know, a, a dangerous... A good side. A, a good side, yeah, a side that, you know, obviously with it being in Qatar, no atmosphere in the ground. I, I don't know, I just think it's... I think they've got enough to, to pose a bit of a threat. Mm. Having said that, there's also the side of they are inclined to high-press. Mm. If the high-press Liverpool will play over them and in, into Salah and Mane, mm. and they're not used to getting pressed, which we'll bring... So, yeah. it's it's a weird one to to predict because of how translatable a Brazilian team is to an English side. Yeah, that's yeah, that's it. We, we, it's hard to with a lot of the European leagues, we can kind of gauge where they rank compared to the Premier League. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. From there, but the Brazilian league, I couldn't really tell you. You know, was it like a a divisi? Was it like a Bundesliga? Is it what what kind of level is it? Yeah. Um, I mean, all all those numbers I've just reeled off there. The fact that the First, in a lot of aspects, in in the Brazilian league for the season that's just finished, 
how would that translate to if they were supposed if they were to try and play with exactly the same game in say for example the Bundesliga yeah or that's it you know the French league or so. Suppose so it's like a good trying to give people a comparison. It's like if you if you looked at Celtic, for example, they look a really dominant, yeah, great side. But this question mark would be: Would they be able to compete at, at that level or anywhere near it in the Premier League? Yeah. Um, so yeah. Just, just, just trying to get across that they're obviously the best team in Brazil comfortably. Um, they've obviously got a way of playing there that is entirely suited to Brazil and is new for Brazilian teams but it's not for Liverpool mm. and I think Liverpool will cope with it fine and I don't think Flamengo will cope with Liverpool's style of play fine if you see what I mean but my what, alarm bells for Flamengo in this game would be that um, you know we've talked about it already that Liverpool have more than one method of beating you don't they you know, yeah, yeah. reliant on a certain way I just wonder whether they'd be able to adapt in game if Liverpool changed how they were attacking you know if they were playing through you but then they start playing it long you know how would they deal with that you know if they if they start building through wing backs or they, they change the system a little bit and start going through the middle it's Liverpool post so many questions and that's where I think they're going to come a little bit unstuck yeah I mean you, you always hear about foreign coaches don't you talk about like second balls in England mm. I think second balls is a really English trait whereby yeah. like you know a ball's played long mm. it's headed back in towards play mm. but then there's an onrushing midfielder to get that second ball yeah. sort of thing um, so I think if Flamengo do have this high line I can see us playing plenty of long passes then being headed clear by their centre backs but then maybe a a Jordan Henderson following that mm. up and and you know creating a bit of a moment of chaos for them Yeah, in transition yeah I agree mate um, but they, they do have a few I think familiar slash dangerous players that we should probably touch on I think without doubt their most dangerous player is going to be uh, Gabriel Barbosa mm. uh, he did come to to Europe I know he played for Inter Milan and was he was there any others? I'm just literally as we're speaking now trying to find his, uh, his career path yeah uh, he, he started off at Santos was, no, was Santos we, Milan went to Benfica on loan he went to Benfica yeah that was it mm. but he was painted as the next Neymar yeah Um was posting big numbers in, in Brazil, came over to Inter Milan and it didn't really quite work. It's resulted in him he's still only twenty three, I think. Oh no, I didn't realise. He's actually uh, he's actually still just on loan. From Inter? Yeah. Was yeah. he? Richard, well he's doing really well if he's on loan. Yeah. Yeah. To no, the extent that they should surely turn and keep Yeah. Him. No, yeah, he is. He's uh, yeah, he's 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 banking form and yeah, he's uh, still on loan, so we could potentially still see him in Europe over the next few seasons. Yeah, is he twenty three, is he? Let's have a look. Uh, he is yeah 23 yeah mm. I mean in the season just gone the Brazilian league he scored 24 goals and assisted 8 uh, tends to post about 3.4 shots per 90 mm. compared to Salah for example who posts about I think 3.5 to 3.7 so he's very active on the attacking side tends to shoot from virtually anywhere if you have a little look at his shot map there Dave I think he yeah, he has a lot of attempts from outside the box and things like that. Yeah. Um, another player that I'm assuming quite a few people will be familiar with is Felipe Luiz. He's over there now. Former Chelsea player, mm. former Atletico Madrid player. But obviously, I think he's only a... I think he's a left-back. Left-back yeah. or right-back? Yeah, wing-back, yeah. Um, yeah. He's obviously not going to be that much of an attacking threat, but he's a player that people should recognise. And one more that I think is worth mentioning who I'm not sure will even get a minute on the pitch, actually, but just for the sake of mentioning him anyway, is I think it's Rainier Jesus, um, yeah. perceived as the next big thing, mm. was actually linked with Everton. Yeah, yeah, thought he meant to be linked, £40 million move. Um, since then, I think he's been linked with Arsenal and Tottenham as well. Uh, I do expect him to come to Europe soon, but he's, uh, he's only 17, isn't he? Yeah, So Brazilian kid with uh, a lot of talent, by the sounds of it. Yeah, he's played... 750 minutes Serie A this season scored 6 goals and 1 assist which yeah. is pretty impressive yeah um, so I, th I don't know I think, I think we've provided enough just to paint a picture of, of Flamengo there I suppose mm. I think it's certainly a game that people can be excited to watch 
Yeah, no, it's not going to be. If, it, if Flamengo, it's hard to predict this one, but if Flamengo go into it and try to play their usual game, mm. the game that's dominated the Brazilian league, mm. it will be mad. Yeah, I think anyway, mm. and, and I think Liverpool will get plenty of joy over the top, Salah and Mane and that. Yeah, but it remains to be seen whether that will happen, considering Flamengo and George Jesus never face a Liverpool. Or, or a team of that mould at all. So no, it's hard to replicate that kind yeah, of side, does, isn't it? Do, does the pragmatic approach come into your mind mm. so, and, and you start making adjustments and you start dropping a bit deeper or or whatever? But I'm, I'll be honest, I'm inclined to think they're just going to maintain what they do, you know? I hope they do, actually. Yeah, <laughs> well, it'd be a benefit of Liverpool, but I just think they're just going to... You know, we were talking at the top of the show about sides feeling like they need to impose themselves in mm. Europe. Yeah. Well... Don't forget, these aren't some minnows. Obviously, to us, we don't know a ton about them, but domestically and in their continent, they're massive. Yeah, they're I mean, I, I, club, I, I am I, aware of yeah, Flam- yeah, Flamengo, of course, personally. Yeah. Yeah, Al-Halal, I wasn't aware of. Yeah, no, honest. I wasn't. Um, I, said, I was surprised that Gomez, that used to play for Swansea, was up front for that Al-Halal, but that's, yeah. that's <laughs> something completely different. But as I said, so, you know, these aren't going to be looking at seeing themselves as some minnows against the mighty Liverpool. It's going to be, they're going to be like, no, we're Flamengo, we're going to play our way and try and win our way, um, which, as I, you I, said, will be good news for... I think as well, it's it's not in the, the Brazilian nature, is it? No. To just kind of... Shut up shop. Con- <laughs> yeah, and concede possession and yeah. accept that you're not as good. The Brazilians play, don't they? I I, mean, I, to be honest, Josh, how many of these as well might be... Obviously, we know a few of the players, but we don't know the whole squad. But how many will be thinking, I want to impress here against Liverpool because I don't know who's watching. Yeah, yeah. Especially uh, Felipe Luiz, considering he's already faced Liverpool in the past. Mm. And Barbosa, considering... He's still technically contacted to a European club. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll round up there. Hopefully, that's provided a bit of an insight into what Flamengo are like. Uh, but you know, verdict before we close up. I do. I do. Obviously, still fancy Liverpool, but once again, I think it's going to be a chaotic game. Um, I'm going to go for another two-one. Actually, I'm going to go. Hopefully, it's not as dead as the. The semi-final wasn't the same as the atmosphere because mm. I do think that impacts the intensity. But I'm going to go 3-1 Liverpool. And that's that's providing our players actually play. Like Van Dijk comes back and yeah. Trent starts and, and, you know, those players. Full strength. Yeah, so I'm going to go 3-1. Um, we will be back recording for you good listeners on Christmas Eve. Yeah. I hope you appreciate that, <laughs> that by is, the way. That is, dedica- <laughs> that is dedication, so... And just to make it clear, I'm actually off on that day as well. <laughs> I'm coming purely to do the show, so yeah. that's, uh, that's commitment, so please make sure you stay committed with us. <laughs> yeah, that is dedication. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll be back on, on Christmas Eve to, to look ahead to Leicester on Boxing Day and to look ahead to, I think it's Wolves after that. Um, so we'll we'll do all the Merry Christmas tradition mm. then, I think. But thanks for tuning in. Um, and we'll be back next week see you later thank you bye you've been listening to the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel